January 1, 2023. It's the Wofford Pedro Show. Well, I don't have many records in that era now, but I do plan to get them. I, I plan to include that in my repertoire, you know, all these old traditional things. But I've, line, I've been trying recently to uh, search myself, you know, and try to find things that I uh, reminiscent that sound like those things. But I'm really going to do some work on that soon. for Pedro Show. Happy New Year. Happy 2023. Good people. Good Sunday. Uh, started to show off John Coltrane getting asked about music he wants to listen to by Carl Eric Lindgren. Some Swedish guy. I think I, on another show I called him fucking Dutch. Both countries are great and stuff, but I should get that straight, so I apologize. This was on March 22nd, 1960. So um, after that was Numb Tongue with Phantom Lamps. And because of the wonder of them, the Stonian software engineers with their scap invention, I got with me. 
Bobby Hatfield, hey. brother Bobby. A week later, right, or ten days later, we're we're back in the <laughs> ring. Something like that. We thank you for bearing with me so much, people. I, I had a hard time, but I'm getting better. Uh, Glad to hear. Yeah, what a, a B-day present, but yeah, I kind of maybe brought it on myself. Anyway, enough about what. Let's talk about Bobby Hatfield and his musical journey. So please bring Bobby your earliest musical recollection, if you can. Oh, my earliest musical recollection. Oh, man, what is that? Oh, goodness. Probably listening to uh, something related to Conway Twitty or Reba McIntyre country music at my grandfather's house. Dose used to do a Conway Conway Twitty song. I think Imagine That. uh, Well, what he did. I'm so out of of familiarity with his stuff now, but yeah, country stuff uh, on an old, uh, you know, AM radio or something, probably in Darlington, South Carolina, if I... If I remember right, or in the in the furniture store my dad worked in, there was always like uh, '80s music and country radio playing in the background. No, but, but uh, so it was radio music was your first musical recollection. I would say if I would speak to me hearing it, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. It was remember, it's a lot, it's a lot from Pedro show. There's no hard questions. There's no wrong answers. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> okay. So don't, don't don't you worry about that. What, uh, what now? This pad in Darlington. Did it have musical instruments in it? Well, so I did, my my grandfather was definitely a musician, and my parents they had the a gospel skin group in the sixties, seventies when they were younger. Uh, and yeah, my grandfather uh, that's where my dad's from, Darlington, Florence, South Carolina area, and they uh, music was just uh, everybody did it. Uh, my my grandfather had seven brothers. Uh, so no, Bobby, seven. I'm going to ask oh. you the question again: Was there any instruments in the pad you grew up? Yeah, all all the time. A piano mostly. The one that I have in my house right now. It's okay, a okay, okay. Let me opera. ask you about the piano thing. Did you have to go through the piano lesson trip? I did. Now, now how I was think it I for you? Found it anyway. How was it for you? Because some cats have had on the show, they they almost wanted to quit music. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. It was weird. Like, yeah, every Friday, uh, for about all the way through most of uh, my younger days, uh, we would go to uh, piano lessons. Uh, we drove an hour to do it. My brother and I both. Oh, you didn't use that piano. Like that was brother. you didn't use that piano that was in your pad that you got now. I do actually. It was the same one that I learned and practiced on, and I. Uh, I oh, didn't you take would go for the lessons at, at another pad, and then you'd come yeah, back. Yeah, I would and go practice. somewhere else. Yeah, okay, okay. We, my parents were good enough to pay for lessons from front up, and I. Uh, how long did you I do start, it, Bobby? I didn't really start writing. How long did oh, you? Uh, how, how long did you uh, take lessons? Eleven years. And, well, and why were you doing that? Eleven years. You were also doing composing. All the time. Wow. That didn't become public until I was in high school. Though. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Please tell me the first record you bought with your own money. Oh, what was the name? It was by his country guy. I'm embarrassed, but it is what it is. Now, look, 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 look. You know, I got, look, <laughs> I've come to the point at 65 that music is music. And this genre and call it things, sure, some people can do that. But some people dig gulags and, you know, Berlin Walls, too. Sure. <laughs> okay. That's true. But, but, I don't so, mean to decry. No, but, but it's you, just but so you, much of what I do now doesn't sound like country. Is yeah, but it don't matter. <laughs> music is music. So... Absolutely. You know, there's different yeah, ways of cutting the beat. There's different ways of uh, 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 doing polyrhythm, syncopating. There's different ways of doing harmonies and melodies. But this music still music. That That's the point I'm trying to make. So don't be embarrassed about any kind of genres. Man, you don't know what I had to go through being a punk rocker in the 70s. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, no doubt. So anyway, uh, the first record you bought with your own money? 
Uh, it had something darkness in the title uh, by Billy Dean. I can't remember. Like it was something. Uh, <laughs> his name was Billy Dean. That's all I remember. I'm gonna look it up. I want to know now. Okay. Now I have to know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna look it up. Now, so where'd you get it? Where'd you get it? Together. Where'd you get it? Um, it was in a CD store when those still existed. Yeah, I remember uh, those. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, what the, about uh, the first gig? I mean, what about the first gig you saw, Bobby? First gig I saw. Oh wow. Uh, ooh, I this is actually I really like this one. The one I, first big concert I remember was in Columbia. Uh, Ronnie Millsap, also a uh, country guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, way back in the day. No, it, oh, it's uh, the record's called "It's What I Do" by Billy Dean. I bought it with my allowance because everyone was buying CDs that day, and I wanted one. So. Well, I asked because you ain't got a lot of money when you're a kid, you know, and so like, what did you first spend? <laughs> no, in, man. That's why I asked. It's like my first ten bucks. Now let me. <laughs> Bobby, let me ask you about school. Were you in the in the choir or the marching band or shit like that? Marching band. Oh, that that was my heart, man. Now, what'd uh, you I do? Did, what'd uh, you do? Drumline. Drum. Oh, so you play drums too? Okay. And which drum? Yeah. Field, field so drum? I focused on snare. They had okay. the whole center snare position. You do the sure. snare line stuff. Sure. Uh, I. Uh, you also swing it. I, people, I got to tell you, you didn't do match grip in those days because you slung it on the side. That's why your oh, stick both. hats yeah, are a different traditional, holes. Yeah, right. Traditional grip wasn't the way they teach you in middle school because I did band, band and, and uh, elementary and all that in middle. But, um, uh, is that yeah, right? Grip, but traditional is oh, what do they, they have the, push us to do. Do they have the snare drum in front of you? You know, I know they got them, 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 um, them toms, the three toms on the rack, and I know those guys you can do match grip, no problem. Sure, yeah. It's definitely weird if you have to change drums. But that fixed drum, yeah, traditional grip is uh, that's still a home of mine. I really love like, it. I don't, used to carry like I don't a, avoid it, but I still love it. Like the field drum was a fucking uh, floor tom, kind of. So it'd be, be there on the side, and it would be hard to do match grip. So I could understand. Yeah, my, so I got that you, from my dad, too. He was like really into being a drummer when he was younger. He has a really vivid memory of being on the marching band field when they learned that uh, Kennedy was assassinated. He was oh. like holding a field drum in the moment. I remember when and, it happened. I was, I, I was five, five years old. Yeah, yeah. When it happened, what I really remember was Lee Harvey Oswald getting shot by Jack Ruby coming out of that Dallas police oh, yeah. garage. Yeah, because it was live on TV. Now, oh, now let me yeah, ask you this: yeah. Yeah, heavy. You. you know, when I go through uh, on tour Dealey Plaza, Dallas, right? I always take my band guys. I remember Joe Biden saying, "God, it looks so small in real life," because everybody's seen the shit <laughs> on TV, right? Right. Let me ask you this: snare drum in the marching band. But you've already been doing piano, so now you know two instruments. Yeah, they were in parallel for a long time in school, and I, they were different disciplines just sort of happening in my life. And I, uh, I really started to try to bring them together when I started playing with a band in high school and like what, what, trying what about to write. This? I was really skittish. What about this trap kit? Trap kit. Oh, so yeah. So I, uh, if, if I take your meaning, so I learned uh, trap kit sort of self-taught. Well, you know what trap kit out of study hall. You know trap yeah. kit. You know what it, it, it literally means. It trap. That's the is, drum set, right? No, trap is short for contraption. No, it was this idea of you having tom, snare, oh. kick. Yeah, because it's like they put a whole drum section in one fucking little unit. Yeah. Yeah, they were that was invented. Funny, man. They were invented. You know, I have drummer friends and shit in uh, yeah. New Orleans. And it was like nobody yeah. knew what to do, right? Everybody was just trying whatever. Like the hi-hat used to be by your ankle, and they called it the sock symbol and shit. And you only used your foot. No way. Went, yeah, doop, 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 doop. Yeah, be that shit. But then somebody thought I'd put it up higher, and you could play it with the sticks. I, Max Roach only did his solos when I saw him on the hi-hat. 
So, so when did you yeah. get your first trap kit? So, oh man, it wasn't until I got it free in college myself out of somebody's okay, storage okay. So kit. You, I never really purchased one. You didn't play trap um, drums in, in high school and stuff. Because I'm going to ask see, you about I'm going to ask you about after school, not graduating, but in the afternoon, the basement band, the uh, garage band, the bedroom band. Did you do that kind of sh stuff? I, I I did in the junior and senior year of high school. But here's the thing about trap kit. I want to speak to that because I actually sure. did self teach me in uh, <laughs> the band room. I would sneak out of study hall or ask to leave, yeah. and I would go to the band room into this soundproof space. It was very privileged to have access to it, but I learned hi-hat with my left hand and snare drum with the right hand on the trap kit Wow! and taught myself. And it took a while, but like I knew the beats in my hands, but not my feet. So uh, it was a really great way to learn making beats physically because I really wanted to learn. So I just like forced myself to do it. That was kind of my first Yeah, but well, maybe like, that was the best way. Maybe that was the best yes. way because you get your own kind of style thing. Look, you gave me this yep. uh, Moses's Bones. I want to play it.
For Pedro Show, start off that chunk of music with Numb Tongue doing Moses' Bones. And uh, no, I'm thinking of uh, Ezekiel, right? With the dry bones, them bones, them bones. Them <laughs> bones, that's yeah. That's how they end the fucking last episode of The Prisoner. It's like some big sing along with them bones, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, no, it's a trip. He, he, people got so pissed he had to move to Los Angeles and shit. And then after that was Spot, my old buddy from the SST days with uh, Cherry Pink and Apple Blossom White. He's a hell of a, a viola. He calls it fadola because he plays it on his arm like a fiddle. And mandolin player, but also guitar. And, he's doing bass now. Loves. He's up in wow. Sheboygan. 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 
Yeah, Wisconsin. And, you know, his daddy was Tuskegee, one of the Tuskegee Airmen. Yeah, and oh, he never wow. told us that. I didn't learn this until, like, years and years later. Francesco uh, Fusaro slash Froze with Preludio alla Francesa. And that's brand new. Bridge of Flowers with Year Without a Summer. Bull Shannon. Chris Carey here with High on Nag Champa. I guess uh, Chapto Ghetto is over. Ar- Argo with Diesel. Then Uni and the Urchins from their new record. Uh, pop Star Supernova. Sky Furrows out of upstate New York. Doing a. God, we just lost the drummer, man. Uh, the Clean. A clean song called. Uh, don't po- point that thing somewhere else. Yeah, okay. I, I don't know their music so well, but they, they go back. They go back. Rob Dobbins spec with a theme. Uh, SLW, Sam Lock Warden, Bob Bucko Jr. out of Iowa with Land Shark. And finally, Mirabal from Numtongue. Okay, so the, the question that, for the music was although it was interesting to learn about how you self-taught your drum, that's bitching way, and also uh, uh, repurposed some of the, uh, the stuff, unused stuff at the uh, public instructional institution. Uh, but what about, like I was asking you, like jamming? Now, you you said the trap kits in college and shit, but did you do any music during high school and, and uh, junior high and shit? Yeah, on two, on two fronts, actually. It brings memory back to my, my buddy, uh, Alan, who was a saxophone player, tenor sax, at school, and I didn't do the jazz band because I, I wasn't as capable to step into that space at that time uh, on, on piano or drums. So I was really skittish about it. But he and I would actually jam in that room and we got accused of making like acid jazz because I would just jam on the drums and he would improvise on the saxophone, just a little duo. Uh-huh. We've done it. They gotten together for years and it's over. We're still friends. So we haven't done it in forever. But yeah, that was literally we would jam literally what we called it. Hey, man, you want to jam today? And uh, then an actual indie rock group formed called Bloom in high school, or The Bloom. We couldn't decide for a while with some buddies of mine. Uh, and he was in that playing saxophone, and I was doing keys, and that's that was like senior year of high school. And then before we knew it, we, we were leaving high school. So, so I so snuck it in right at the end. It was I a did. duet made out of keys, keyboard. No, it was yeah. a duet of, of just drums and saxophone. Oh, and dr- oh you, you we were doing were okay. You were doing drums. Yeah. So we were doing uh, with a friend of mine, and then we met three other guys, uh, uh, Danny, John, and, and, and Alex. We all kind of formed a, a band to do like some hybrid of like Dave Matthews and Coldplay when we were in high school, and like let's see if we can do it. So even and, though uh, you didn't have a trap, you could learn at school, and that's how you made this band. Now tell me about the material, John Coltrane. You did some covers. Uh man, so. Uh, his favorite to jam on, we would start the play the head for in a sentimental mood, yeah. and then we would like break out into that. That's uh, an old time jamming. I would always, I would always turn it into funk, just because that was the kind of drumming I liked to do. At the time. Well, oh, but there was a uh, lot of improvising in the band. Yeah, well, so it, with that duo, like it was interesting. The band, the Bloom, we didn't actually do what he and I did separately as a duo. That was a five piece that became like more pop rock focused. Oh, okay. uh, but that other jam- it was like two separate musical experiences, honestly. And uh, but we knew each other that way, and so we were like, "Hey, let's let's, let's play this way." And I actually played keys and sang in the other group, not drums. Uh, guy John was the drummer, but um, uh, but yeah. Um, Did you do uh, any recording with both these projects? Oh, uh, favorite song in that little duo was "Mercy, Mercy, Mercy" between the two of us. Okay. Loved playing that. So Did you do any uh, original stuff? <laughs> 
Uh, not the, unless we made it up on the spot, man. It was 100% improvisation. We okay. never wrote anything okay. and captured it. Okay. Now, you, now and you said after high school, you went to college. Was it for music? Uh, no, actually. I, uh, I started in as a business administration major at school. Uh, and then I transferred out to this uh, private uh, institution in, in Columbia, in uh, South Carolina, everywhere called Columbia International University. And uh, it's, that was actually a Bible college. Still is. Uh, but I went there for three years after being at a public university. B- Bobby, I got to tell you, a lot of dudes learn how to sing rock and roll in church. I think Elvis Presley and, you know, Aretha. Yeah. Uh, all I kinds of music. Yeah, a lot of music comes out of uh, um, church. I think it, my, you can my, get it in uh, static states, which is kind of like, you know, performances and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, but but you were still doing music while you're studying this other stuff. Yeah. Oh, it never went away, man. Like, uh, I should say, yeah, my performance experience and like sort of like getting the weeby jeebies out, not only in school, but like singing in front of people is definitely church music. I mean, like in that space yeah. weekly is there's no greater gig opportunity for some people because you just get so much uh, on hand experience and like you're kind of hanging out to dry a little bit sometimes on the music if you're like caught in between it. But yeah. that was where I learned what chord charts were. I didn't know what that meant. I just knew the piano. And then people showed me, hey, there's the letters can go over the words and there's the song. And I was like, what? I don't know what this means. But okay, here we go. I guess I know this already, sort of. You and, mean when uh, you were a boy? That's actually how my... When you were a boy, you didn't learn to read? So we did learn to read uh, sheet music, but I found chords all by myself, just sort of chromatically one at a time oh, okay. in middle school. Okay. I would be home alone uh, and stuff for a couple of hours. And uh, instead of doing my homework, I didn't be watching TV or playing piano. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's all right. Uh, and no, I don't regret it at all. Like I, I had a, um, a challenge I kept doing with myself till I got it, where I would learn all the major and minor chords chromatically yeah. one at a time, like with my eyes closed on the piano, um, chords and everything, the shape of it. Yeah. And uh, that served me really well. And and it was really interesting to discover how they all fit together as like the number system. I'd never really had it described like music theory wise in my lessons because it didn't come up in details. So we'd learn about the one chord, the four chord, and the five. Yeah. They'll throw it in the books occasionally, but they really focus on that. Intervals. Intervals, right. So I was just chasing my heart and my ear, and I had so much time on my own that I really got to find my own voice uh, at an early age, I think, on the piano. So, um, yeah, it was it was just what was in reach. I think it'd be creative, and music's definitely in my blood, my family, but it's just what was nearby to be, like, creative and just right. grab what made sense to me. Well, so, different yeah, experiences, uh, different paths, music you share, but you, you got to find your own personal way. Yeah. Okay. But no, for sure, during college studying, and I mean, music was all parallel to what I was doing. I took a lot of musical electives and everything. Uh, but yeah, I didn't get a, didn't major in it. That's okay. That's okay. You know, life has got a lot of dimensions and stuff. And uh, yeah, Sometimes man. some people have horrible experiences, so they have to go outside of it. Some cats, they get all kinds of, you know, uh, strength and, you know, it's, well, that's why I ask people about their musical journeys because it seems like every fucking one is different. Absolutely. Yeah. So, did did you get into the shit about having a little four track and record yourself? Yeah. Um. Uh. You know. Uh. My first experience recording a song that was mine. Um. That was for a friend of mine in school. That I thought was having a tough time. It was uh, titled uh, "For the Things You Cannot Control." Was the name of the song, and. I had kind of secretly been learning my brother's guitar he had gotten for Christmas. So I self-taught 
that after learning the piano, like just finding chords and like hurting my fingers, figuring out what it means to, you know, build both the calluses and stuff. And every interesting chord I'd learned, I turned on this uh, cassette dual recorder thing we had on the top of the piano. My brother's a songwriter too. And he, uh, he was doing that with the early analog stuff that we've just had from my parents for years. And all the old equipment laying around still. So, yeah, wasn't a four-track, just kind of like straight. Yeah, one I, I just say that. It, it could be anything. It could be a mono. I know, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like yeah, right nowadays, the, the, people use what voice me, me, uh, memo on the leash, right? Here, look. Oh, gosh, I have 2,500 of those. <laughs> Bobby, now. we're at the end of the first hour of the January 1, 2023 edition of Show. Special guest Bobby Hatfield. Hold tight for hour two. <laughs> January 1st, 2023. It's the second hour of the What for Pedro Show.
friend, I'm your father. I'm not your friend, I'm your parent. Oh, don't you forget, don't you forget that who we are, only who they think we are. Now get dressed, all dressed up in your Sunday bed.
Lot for Pedro Show. Start off the second hour with Many Empty Rooms from Numbtongue. Then we had The Almighty Op with Something to Cry About. Noisuka with Algorithm. Uh, Stefano Palia from Bologna, Italy with Hannah. Headboggle, Bay Area, East Bay, Oaktown. Come Uptown. Derek, I, I got to record some stuff for his commands, the commands project. And uh, then finally, Numb Tongue with Glory Land. And, and, and uh, Bobby's got something in lightness with, with this many empty rooms. Yeah, so this song is actually a rip, reprise of Glory Land on the original, the first record, Exhumation. It's, uh, okay. it's the same chord progression in the end. It like Glory Land finds itself coming back at the end of that one. So they were, it was all one song initially, and it just felt long. And I, I wanted both places to, both feelings to exist, but yeah. I separated them on the record uh, just, just as like a sort of a trick to make it all uh, pace well. And it ended up being a thematic helpful thing too, because you introduce the idea and then you bring it back later to kind of seal the deal Absolutely. on the end. And See, people, I, uh, forms of songs, songs are, can, you can be just as creative. It doesn't have to be chorus, chorus, bridge, reverse, whatever the fuck. You can be as creative oh, yeah. as possible, yeah. So, I'm terrible uh, at that. Yeah, yeah. So, but some people think it's like if there's a there's something's cut in stone, and sometimes there's just one part. People sometimes there's ten million parts, and everything in between. Right. Uh, look, all you all you gave me to play was numb tongue stuff. Now, uh, but, but between you doing that first song when we ended the first hour, and then numb tongue, was there other projects? Yeah, before Numb Tongue, I was in a group for about five years called the Seawolf Mutiny. Big long name in uh, in, no, in here in Columbia, name. South I Carolina. Like uh, Columbia, and, it's trippy uh, to have a C name because it's in the middle of the state, people. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe fan, Charleston, but the, Columbia is kind of trippy. <laughs> no, look, that group was look, really. Look, I gotta tell you, Bobby, John Fogarty lived on a very northwest bayou. <laughs> Very no, he was born. He was born on a very northwest by, yeah, like El Cerrito is by that. Berkeley, right? Music, you yeah. know, arts are for about transcending the reality. So, so this now was this your band or was this a band you joined? Uh, it was a band I formed with uh, some friends of mine. Uh, initially, my buddy Danny Oaks, uh, who's helped me a lot on Numbtongue. He's on this record uh, most recently and the first one a bit. I've recorded some stuff, uh, collaborating. He and I have been like in cahoots making songs for like 15 years now it feels like yeah and uh, that band was sort of our initial idea and then it grew into about five members over time itself that was uh that was my post-college uh, musical sort of uh, uh just kind of attempt to work out myself uh, artistically in public <laughs> with my friends and it was very uh, collaborative uh you know bands are sometimes it just takes longer to make songs when you're in a, a connection together and uh that uh that process went into this one record we put out in uh 2011 it's actually just over 12 years old now and uh, we were going to do a reunion show in 2020 with the pandemic sort of like blew that up so we're going to try to maybe do that again sometime in the future but yeah that group was more uh, uh cinematic and and larger and a bit of, of more of an epic rock sound and but we started writing it in 2009 2011 when we released it it's an album called the last season that was our only record we put out. And, uh, it's well, what about near gigs? Near my heart because it worked out great. What about gigs and stuff? And did that band ever do touring? Yeah, uh, not a full tour. Uh, we got as far as uh, New Orleans. We uh, we had a lot of cool bills. Uh, we traveled uh, 
uh, here and there, but we didn't get a full tour off the ground uh, as a group. We had actually just bought a old Winnebago RV in the attempt to hopefully go after that and do it. And uh, my advice is don't try down. to tour in something like that. <laughs> it was so old and broke down. And they're so fucking uh, hard to park and just everything. They're nightmares. They're nightmares. Oh man, they're nightmares. It, uh, it sounded like a pod racer from Star Wars. <laughs> but uh, the uh, the the. But anyway, yeah, we, we got out. Uh, we actually were on a, a festival with, uh, of Montreal and Natchitoches. Uh, it played a thing called Demon Fest back in, gosh, 2014, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and that comes to my mind because one of the furthest gigs we, we went out and, and did from our from our region. And we uh, uh, I was sick going into that. And I was like, crap, I don't want to cancel. So I wore a mask in the car. I saw a picture of me with that mask on the other day. I was like, oh, it's like a foreshadow. You had a premonition, Bobby. Oh, it was so weird to look at me with a mask on in these old photos. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Well, um, if you ever, yeah. I don't know if you've ever uh, traveled to Asian stuff, but they've had an old tradition of that too. Because Oh, I know. The trains, yeah, no, you know, I've never they, been over there. Well, they pack the trains, you know, so, so if somebody's sick, it's smart to do it for the other people, So it, even with a flu or shit, you know. So, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, anyway, I want to play some more Numb Tongue.
Off for Pedro Show. That chunk of music started off with Numtongue doing I Will, You Will. Then uh, Imbernon and Michael Vega with No Samar. Ray Shin with Empty Threats and Cigarettes. And Numtongue again with The White of Your Eyes. Tell me about Numtongue. How did, how, how did it get started? I mean, what was the first song you wrote for it? What was the first gig? Yeah, the first uh, song uh, was called uh, Such Face. It's actually a single that's only on Bandcamp. Um, I've been meaning to actually re-release that into regular streaming world, uh, or all the rest of them, I guess. Uh, it was called Such Face, and it was kind of my first attempt at like orchestrating everything myself, like producing the, the track. And it's still one of my proudest achievements as a song. Like, I love it. Um, just it's It was more of a, an experimental offshoot from my previous group, uh, the Seawolf Mutiny, like I've been in a group for a while, and then I was like, what's it like to be solo? What does this mean? And uh, the uh, the first track that came out, um, probably 2015, I guess. It's like summer of that year, I think. It's been a while now. And I uh, uh, I think my first gig uh, that I felt was unofficially so, because I played them, uh, <laughs> was Halloween in front of a uh, local theater. I was wearing an emoji mask. Somebody asked me to bust for a while. Yeah. I was like, sure, I'll do it. And <laughs> uh, sort of surreptitiously played outside. It was actually with a company I worked for, uh, uh, Freeway Music. I teach music there, okay. here in Columbia. And uh, they actually asked me, it's like, hey, they want some people to busk out there. And they're asking some of our you know, who we know as musicians, and you're a teacher here, you want, you want to try it? I was like, yeah, sure, why not? I feel like this was an early numb-tongue performance of sorts. But anyway, I was out there, and a smiling We're, we're, we're talking, uh, we're talking uh, man alone, right? No one Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. battery-powered equipment, like, uh, really, it's, it was lo-fi as I'll get up. And I was playing everything from uh, Massive Attack to, like, some Blade Runner-inspired stuff, and then some numb-tongue stuff that hadn't been played. Okay, numb-tongue. I think that where, was where, where, did, where did you get the name numb-tongue? <laughs> So it, it's this idea, I think, of, uh, yeah, I remember saying, uh, I think in an early show, you you, uh, you can't taste it, but you know it's there. It's this idea of your, I don't know, the, 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 it's an experiment of the minds of sorts, but like, uh, also, I feel like in conversations I've had, uh, artists don't really say that many different things. They just change how they say it over their lifetime. They're okay. orbiting probably the same feelings or the same process on some level. Yeah. And uh, that doesn't always happen, but I even feel like somebody that changed as much as Bowie, right? There was still the same uh, creative entity, person, self in there. So it's a, it's an experiment in the self. And like, I feel like I'm, I've said the same thing enough that like it becomes my, my tongue gets numb from saying it. Uh, no, yeah, the words, the words, the Words, the little words notes, the rhythms, the, the, they don't uh, carry as much weight unless you give them a focus, you give them a personal meaning. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. it's true. I mean, this is what I'm getting from it. I like this idea of the numb tongue because a lot of shit, it seems like people just make a small talk to fill the air and there's shit don't carry much weight. Yeah, and it's, it's been weird, man. Like, I think that the first record was definitely a, an experiment of, like, just a psyche of trying to be really abstract with like what it meant to uh, deal with uh, my own experience with uh, my own psychology, theology and philosophy, and, like trying to like meld that together, like broken pieces. There's a track called Disjective Member actually on there. That's this idea of the, uh, I can't remember the quote who it was, but it was this, it's like the job of the poet to piece 
together the, the fragments of the truth in the universe and like trying to put it together and like I don't know present it. No, no, <laughs> I, I, I think it was one of those old Greek philosophers that said the a- yeah. uh, analyzed life is worth living. Yeah, and I, I think that the second one recently has been like you know, more of a, a bit more of a heart on my sleeve a bit more again. Like even though it's experimental, like it's a lot more emotional than the previous one in certain ways, more more obviously. I find them both to be part of me emotionally, but like the first one I was definitely uh, experimenting to the max on a lot of the tracks, and that kind of came into the second record that just came out, Phantom Limbs, but it's it was more just like the past five years have been like tough in other ways, personally, and just with what's going on in the outside world. Uh, just, yeah, it was a lot to process. It doesn't take it, a weatherman to know, it doesn't take a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. <laughs> but Bobby, we're at the end of the yeah, second yeah. hour of the January 1st, 2023 edition of Watford Pedro Show with the best special guest, Bobby Hatfield. Hold tight for hour three. January 1, 2023, it's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
Off for Pedro Show. Start off the third hour with Numb Tongue doing For the Goodness of Your Heart. Yamwiche, which is John Dwyer from the OCs, one of his new projects. Opened up for Flipper a couple months ago. Greener Pools. And Numb Tongue again after that with Constant. So, Bobby, you're talking about the two albums and the difference between yeah. what, in a, in a way, they're kind of the same. It's Man Alone, and then you bring in buddies to help you? Yeah, so uh, that's always kind of been the... the uh, that the live band has sort of come around occasionally and then it's, I've been more bold to be solo lately, even playing some, some loops and, and backing tracks uh, just because the songs seem to be like able to live on their own regardless. And I was been, I've always been really skittish about leaving a band behind. So I've tried to always play with people uh, just uh, because it's just how I like being musical with other, but uh, yeah, a lot of the craftsmanship has been solo now for six, seven years. Uh, actually today is the, birthday of my first Numb Tongue record. It came out New Year's Day 2017. Uh, I should say that's the real time I stepped it out into the world. I snuck it out and didn't tell anybody. I was just like, surprise! But, yeah. Uh, yeah um, Maybe my, that's the best way, because then uh, there's no fucking buddy, hype. You know what I mean? If no you're hype, telling yeah, it, the yeah, there's no hype, help. right? It, yeah. You just bring it on them. Yeah. I, and I, tell I me your sure process. What, you, what is your here. process? Because you said something about you having all these fucking phone memo, uh, voice memos. Do do you build? Uh, do you make demos? Yeah. So weirdly, with this project, because the tech is just so insane to work with now. Like I've, I've used Logic Pro for years, and um, I'll start writing sometimes in the program as a demo, and I have often built a lot of the first record was like this, uh, built from the demo itself and recorded in that same space, almost like the rough draft. There's pieces of the rough draft. Bobby, still I, had, Bobby I, I had Joey Warnocker on the show, drummer man, and he said he recorded with Pete Townsend. And he says, that's what you do. When you record for Pete, you replace the things from the demo, but the demo is actually like the backbone of the tune. Well, sometimes mine is not just the backbone, it's actually still audible in the in the song. Like, that's exactly how I do it. Like, I'll put layers around it to, like, build almost like a, I don't know, it starts like, is it a cake? I don't know. It's layers. But you, what you're telling like me is base. some parts survive from the demo stage. Not everything yes. gets replaced. Yeah. Okay. Yes, absolutely. And that was actually what was interesting using, there on the first record, there's a lot of voice memos of, like, kids' toys and, like, different, like, ambient sounds in those transition tracks that I pitched down to match a piano, uh, but they were recorded on my phone and I just threw them together and like put it through the right filter. And that's the sauce. I feel like everything is the sauce Sauce. uh, that makes it work. But sauce needs to be put on something, right? Unless it's a soup. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's why a lot of the songs that I've uh, brought into Numb Tongue were were initially crafted for other bands or like they were already charted, but never released. Uh, or yeah. sort of recorded or demoed, and then I would take them and add, kind of sort of take parts out of them and pull them apart and put them back together. Repurpose uh, them a, a bit, like a collage. Repurpose yeah, yeah. them. Yeah, there's, there's a few tracks like that, and, and I'm talking. You know, it's uh, this most recent one. Uh, I didn't expect to. Uh, I wanted to track more live drums because almost all the drums I've tracked. There's only a few live ones. But almost all of it's finger drums in computers. And you, uh, you're talking about stuff, you, is, you you playing them yourself. I am. I'm playing most of it live, but on a keyboard. Like it, I try to be as organic as I can. But some of the samples are so much better than I can get on my own, like lo-fi mics, like yeah, in house. Yeah. And it's just you love the way it sounds. I feel like I'm cheating, but I, I sort of had to get over that. No, nah, I don't think it's cheating. At the end of the day, remember Wizard of Oz and Frank Morgan says, "Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain." 
He was the fucking yeah. dude behind the curtain. I mean, at the end of the day, people are, are hearing what comes out the speakers. They don't know how you make it and stuff. I don't think it's cheap. I know. Yeah, sound is sound. No, I, I, music I got, is music. I, I think, got over that. Yeah. I got over that and, like, had to... I have guitar, be my guitar. The, uh, I, I felt the need to, like... Uh, as a drummer at heart, like, I, I know what it means to play the, the embodied thing for real. But then I was like, well, piano's percussion too so it's fine Absolutely. and i actually really love being able to reach for more you know I, I felt that when i was in uh you know concert band in high school like i, I miss having access to all those instruments for free uh you have to like work for it now or pay somebody to like, go be in there <laughs> right you know uh, Man, piano I, used to always be in the rhythm section of them horn bands because they were so fucking loud everybody who wasn't a horn was in the rhythm section i want to play your heart yeah. is buried in my head
from Peter show last music for this edition start that chunk off of your heart is buried in my head numb tongue then Horalunga with a weird or virin one and two and finally numb tongue finish your sentence now Bobby was uh, telling me about some interesting musical observations he's got enlighten us Bobby so yeah I, I feel like well, a lot of what the tech that you have now that's in reach like uh, when it's hard to like pay to hire out people that you know know these instruments i know all these people that play uh, a lot of folks that i could uh ask to, to play on records for me and i want to be able to do more of that in the future but uh, sometimes i'll get in the writing process start crafting something and i can reach for this uh this sound of a, of a cello section or something in the background but i can put it through enough of a filter that it's just it sounds so uh high quality a lot of times now that you can place it and produce it in the moment in a way that you just the idea explodes in front of you like wow that's i, I gotta keep that and for me, especially as a percussionist, like having things within reach that are like all these infinite amounts of samples. I remember when I first got my MIDI controller, like an 88 key when I was younger, uh, having access to plug that into your laptop and like you've got a million sounds. It was almost too much. So finding my way into like honing it down creatively to like using what's within your limits. I've tried to like balance the limitlessness of tech and what's actually physically around you instrument wise. Uh, your instruments that I've got inherited from people or like just that I'm already playing, like from, build it from the ground up. But then when you need to polish the ending, like open yourself up to all the options that are available to, to finish the product. And I, I love what that means. It's a lot of hard work to take yeah, a demo phase yeah. with like these and uh, to, to put that final sheen on it when you're on your own. It's, it's, it's a lot of work. I've done everything on my own so far. So. All the production, all this stuff. What about the engineers and things? You too? Yeah, that's me for now. Uh, there's uh, been some mixing, 
No, the stuff sounds really too. good. You've done a great job, man. I th I've seen Thank this you, more man. and more in the older days, like when me and D. Boone and Georgie were young Minutemen. There was a huge divide between dudes playing and dudes recording. And so many musicians yeah. now are recording them. Because, so, like you said, the tech got more econo and, and also yep. more powerful. And, you know, think about Jimi Hendrix on electric guitar and Andre Segovia on, uh, you know, nylon string Spanish guitar. It's still guitar. And, yeah. and, and at the end of the day, it might not be guitar. Might, like you're talking about samples and stuff, but it's sound coming out of speakers or earbuds, I guess, nowadays. And uh, <laughs> how it gets there, I don't think is as important as experience of that person swimming into your artistic musical expression. Bobby, where can, well, people think, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, on social media. I'm, uh, Instagram is uh, at numbtongue. No, but is there, a, <laughs> is there a Bobby Hatfield website? No. I, I, the, well, there Just was corporate one ones, okay. For new. But yeah, most of it's social media. Band, uh, numbtongue, bandcamp.com. Uh, I'm on Spotify, Apple Music. And people, music, all, it, it's one word. Let, let, let's tell the listeners. N-U-M-B T-O-N-G-U-E, okay? That's you know, correct. especially for uh, listeners that English ain't first, you know, we spell shit weird. <laughs> That's it. I know. And How do you get the word ice? Word, like. Yeah, I know. Or the word ice. How do you get that from that spelling? I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. You got to hear it and let yeah. somebody tell you. And, 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 what, and what's your next plan? You know, this year I'm going to try to play out uh, in the region a little more of the numbtongue and places I haven't been before. Uh, I might actually do a solo tour for the first time. Uh, yeah. It's easier to get out on the road further that way. And I uh, am hoping to push Phantom Limbs, uh, you know, release it late in the year. And I kind of just want to see about doing some collaborations. I want to talk to a buddy of mine out in New Mexico about doing that. Uh, uh, I've never really tried before. Uh, and really, I'm trying to keep my options open. Uh, Phantom Limbs is something I just needed to extrude. Yeah, <laughs> I was sitting yeah, on this yeah. track for years. And uh, now that it's out, I'm like, I'm so bad about what to moan the next thing, like immediately, but then you need to play what you've just done so people can like know what happens. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I, uh, I'm going to do both. I, I feel like I never stopped writing. So I'm starting like, track you, today. If actually. you could do the one man tour, the man alone tour, and you're doing the, this numb tongue stuff, obviously it's not going to be exactly the same. Or what are you going to do? Like karaoke, laptop, uh, Chris space, press, uh, Sometimes it's like that. Yeah. Uh, I've got some of the beats, mainly the drums. Like I'll repurpose them to where it doesn't sound as canned live or it feels like it fits in a live setting as best I can. Yeah. And a lot of times you just play the track and then you get in and you keep up with it. And because I know them innately, like the back of my hand, it's yeah. really just like breathing. So the, the track still has that live spontaneity, but it's, it's also kind of, on a fixed plane, but I never want to take away the live band element. I've got a three piece going right now when we play live. Um, Are you going to record them? Uh, well, we'll see. I don't know. I'd say I want to leave options well, open. Uh, okay. Well, I want to give you an invite, Bobby, whatever you do live or man alone, whatever. Will you come back on the show? And we can play it and talk about it. I would love to do that. Okay. Beautiful. That sounds Beautiful. great. <laughs> then a commitment there, Bobby. <laughs> you bring it when you're ready. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on yeah, the man. show. And big uh, respect to Dylan for making the connect. People, it's been the January yeah. 1st, 2023 Waff Pedro Show. Happy New Year. Hoping for a good one, right, people? Let's do it. Keep your powder dry.